For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things he planned for us long ago. That's our theme verse from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 for this week's Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. Associate Care Pastor Josh Masters continues the series, I Am. This week's episode, I Am Significant. Our spiritual practice is to read a passage from the daily reading each day. As you reflect on the Bible verses, ask God, what are you saying about who I am? Then complete the sentence, God says I am, with what He says about you. If you want to watch the video of this week's message, listen to worship, or search through the message archives, visit brookwoodchurch.org slash watch or download the Brookwood Church app. Subscribe to our podcast to catch up on this series and hear future episodes. We pray this message encourages you and your walk with Christ. Are you pumped up, Brookwood? Are you ready? Man, that's a powerful song. But do you know that the Bible says that the armies of God's people march into battle with worshipers leading the way? And the praises, yeah, you can get excited about that. And the praises that we offer God enable us to march into the purpose that he has for us as a body too. Do we want to be an army of God's purpose led by worship? That's exactly what we're going to talk about today as we conclude our series called I Am, Discovering My True Identity. Now, over the last couple weeks, we've been asking God to show us how we can live according to the way he sees us instead of living under the weight of the lies and false labels given to us by the world. This is our graphic from the series. Too many of us have been walking through the Christian life feeling less than. Feeling like we're small, and messy, and insignificant, and scribbled out like the I in this logo. But what we've been learning from our series is that we've been rescued from that life. That my I am can be rooted in the great I am because I am forgiven and made new and loved and chosen and complete in Jesus Christ. When God calls us to do great things for his kingdom, both individually and as a church, are we like an army being led by worship or are we derailed by the messiness of our own lives. You know, last week we talked about how being chosen by God should change the way that we see ourselves. And it should. That from the very beginning of time, God chose you to be his child and for you to share in Christ's inheritance. But we're not only chosen for adoption. In that adoption, we're also chosen to live a life of purpose. You may remember this verse from last week. John 15, 16. Jesus said this. He said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. Chosen to be loved 
chosen to produce lasting fruit. The darkness of this world that we've been talking about says that my life has no lasting meaning. But my identity in Christ says that my life is filled with purpose. My life is filled with purpose. So we've talked about believing that I am rescued. We've talked about believing that I am loved. And we're going to conclude our series by learning to believe that I am significant. I am significant. Every week, we've talked about God having a bigger purpose for your life. God having a bigger purpose for Brookwood Church. And for that purpose to be revealed, we must grab hold of, we must experience what our true identity is. Rescued. Loved. Significant. We must believe that we're rescued for a purpose. We must experience God's love to accept that purpose. And we must believe that our lives are significant to fulfill that purpose. Deep down inside, not only do we have this intense desire to be truly loved like we talked about last week, but we also have an intense desire to live a life of meaning and purpose. And that desire exists because God designed you to live a life of significance. And we long for what God designed us to be. Look at Ephesians 2.10. For we, personalize it, for I am God's masterpiece. He has created me anew in Christ Jesus so we can do and I can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You are God's masterpiece, created, made completely new in Jesus Christ. Why? To do the good things he's planned for you, the things he's planned from the beginning. But there's the problem that we run into, isn't it? That's the struggle we have. It's the things that he planned. The things that he has brought into purpose. Not the things we've planned. Not the things that are purposeful in our own lives. It's the things that he plans that bring lasting significance into our lives. But we're so, we're so desperate to live a life of meaning that we feverishly work for fleeting moments of affirmation. We look for affirmation instead of significance. And we try to find that significance in things that God hasn't called us to do, things that are outside of God's plan. How many likes did my post get? Affirmation. How many people watched my Instagram reel or how many people joined my clubhouse room to listen to me? How many like my idea in the meeting? Will, will I get selected for this new project? How many kudos did I get after I ran my Bible study? See, sometimes, sometimes we even surrender our significance looking for affirmation in things that we say that we're doing for God, but he never asked us to do. 
And we seek these things. We, we seek these affirmations because they make us feel what? Important. Not significant. They make us feel important for a moment. When we're not living in the purpose and the mission God has for our lives, we will try to take a shortcut to significance on a path called importance. But being significant and feeling important are not the same thing. They're not the same thing at all. Importance is pride-based. Significance is compassion-based. Importance glorifies my name. Significance glorifies God's name. Importance is a feeling. Significance is a state of being, just like joy. And don't miss this one. Importance is always fleeting. Always fleeting. But significance is eternal. Things that are significant are eternal. Remember the verse that we just read a few minutes ago. Jesus said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. And I appoint you to produce what kind of fruit? Lasting fruit. Lasting fruit. Not temporary fruit, lasting fruit. The things that feel important have a temporary impact on me. But things that are significant have a lasting impact on the kingdom. Pride poisons the well of significance. Pride poisons the well of significance. And if your goal, if your goal in life is to be important, you will never live a life of significance because you can't have both. When we live to be seen important by the world, we stop recognizing the opportunities that God puts right in front of us to make a difference in the lives of other people. When we focus on being important and letting people see that we're important, we miss everything that God puts in front of us that we can do for the kingdom. But once your identity is rooted in who God says you are, once you start to actually believe the things that we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks, that I am chosen, that I am loved, that I am valuable, you will be motivated to look for God's purpose in your life instead of your own. You will be motivated by the same consuming compassion for the hurting and the broke that Jesus is compelled by. And the more that we do that as a community, the more that we do that all together, the more God will reveal his greater purpose for this church. My life of meaning and significance is only realized by experiencing what God says about who I am and what his plan and his purpose for my life is. Not chasing what I want, but Chasing what he's already designed for me. So what does God's plan say about my significance? Well, first, it says this. In Christ's purpose, I am the temple of God. I am the temple of God. Say that with me. I am the temple of God. One more time. I am the temple of God. 
And if we're honest, it kind of feels weird to say that, doesn't it? It does. I'm the temple of God. It's a strange concept. It's difficult to grasp. And to be honest, it doesn't really make me feel significant at first. In fact, it feels abstract. And when I was writing the outline for your notes, I could have used a more user-friendly term. Like, I am God's home. Or I am a place of worship. But I think... I think using any other phrase would minimize the significance of what it says about who we are. God is not careless with his words. God is not careless with his words. And the fact that he calls us his temple is important. So then what is the temple? Not all of us know a lot about the temple. You'll be happy to know that I cut about 97 pages of temple history from my original outline, my draft. So instead, let's boil it down to the basics. Here's the basics. The temple was a building, and it was intricately designed in every detail. Intricately designed by God himself. It was God who designed every detail of the temple, and it was dedicated as a holy place of worship and a connection to God. Now, we don't have time for all the history, but I want to focus on four things this morning, very quickly, four things about the temple that's important to us. Number one, it was the dwelling place of the Lord's presence. It was the dwelling place of the Lord's presence. The the physical presence of God was in a room deep inside the temple called the Holy of Holies. And man couldn't get to it. God was separated. Number two, the temple housed the Ark of the Covenant. And inside the Ark of the Covenant was the evidence of their rescue from Egypt. Number three is that the temple was a house of worship and prayer for people to connect with God and honor God. And then finally, number four, the temple was to be a light to other nations. And that's because... The nation of Israel was called to worship in a different way that set them apart of the rest of the world that was supposed to draw the rest of the world to the one true God. That's an incredible purpose. Those four things are an incredible responsibility and purpose. But the temple doesn't exist anymore. The temple as a building was destroyed in 70 AD just as Jesus predicted it would be. And why did God allow his temple that had so much importance, why would he allow his temple to be destroyed? Because it was no longer needed. If the temple was the dwelling place of God, where does God reside now? In us. In the lives of believers. Literally. We return to our theme Verse for the entire series. We keep coming back to this verse. Galatians 2.20. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So don't you realize 
1 Corinthians 6. So don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. You don't belong to yourself for God bought you at an incredible price. That's our redemption that we talked about in week one. So you must honor God with your body. So now you're the temple. You're the temple. And I don't want to take this verse out of context. It's important to know that Paul was specifically calling the church to avoid sexual immorality. And he was doing that because whatever defiles our bodies actually defiles the temple of God and dishonors God himself. And of course, health-conscious Christians love to use this verse to remind people like me to eat apples instead of brownies, take care of the temple of God. And we're absolutely called to be stewards of this body that God has given us. We should treat our bodies with respect and our bodies with dignity and with discipline, knowing that God and Christ lives in us. But taking care of our bodies is not the primary truth of this verse. Taking care of our bodies is the natural response to the greater truth that we have complete union with Jesus Christ. That it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. That I am the temple of the Most High God. And we care for our bodies in response to that. Think about how intimate it is for us to be called the temple of the Most High God. Before our rescue, before our rescue at the cross, man and God were completely separated. We were completely separate and his presence was hidden in the deepest part of the temple, unreachable behind a giant veil where no one was allowed to go except the high priest once a year. But Matthew 27 says, the very moment that Christ gave up his life for us on the cross, the moment he released his spirit, the earth shook, rocks split apart, the dead were raised from the graves, and that thick veil that separated us from God in the temple was torn apart. Christ destroyed the barrier between you and God. And through his love, and mercy, he made you his home instead, the new temple of God. And it's not an analogy. It's not a metaphor. It's literal. You are the temple of God. Let's go back to our list and look at it from our perspective. As his temple, I am the dwelling place of the Lord's presence. I'm where the presence of God dwells. Number two, I'm the ark. I'm the ark containing the evidence of his rescue. Think about that. I'm the ark of the new covenant. You are the ark of the new covenant carrying the evidence of his rescue to the rest of the world. And I am a house of prayer and worship. Meet my body is a house of prayer and worship. And I'm meant to be the light to others. 
I'm the light to others because his light is in me. This is your identity. This is your purpose. What could be more significant than those four things? Meditate on what this says about who you are and what your significance is in this world. And we not only have significance individually, but we have significance as a church, as a body. Look at this verse. Don't you realize that all of you together, that's all of us, the body of Christ, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? So our individual bodies are temples. But the greater temple is all of us as a community of believers worshiping God together. This building that we're sitting in is not the dwelling place of God. We're the dwelling place of God. This building shouldn't be the place where you come to find worship. This should be the building that you come to bring worship. We're the worshipers marching into his purpose. And I don't want to call anyone out, but if you consistently come late and miss part of our corporate worship, you're missing out on part of God's purpose for your life. And you're depriving us of your peace of the temple. Our lives and our body should be a continual house of worship and prayer that we bring to this building and then share with one another. But that sometimes feels impossible, does it? It feels impossible to us when our identity is rooted in anything other than Jesus Christ. You know, we keep asking questions. We keep asking questions like, how, how do I connect with him? I, I don't sense that I'm connected. I, how do I sense his presence? What do I do? What do I do? What's the next thing I do? What do I do? It's not about doing. When we begin to believe what God says about who we are, then we become free to live completely connected to him. Not when we're just here, not just when we're watching online or in the overflow room, but all the time. In every aspect of our lives, we feel connected to him when our identity is in him. And that will happen when we stop making our union with Christ a task list and start making it who we are. Our union with Christ is not a to-do list. It's who we are. We have to stop hoping for a victory that's already happened. And we have to start living in what's already true. And when we do that, then we'll have a life of joy and hope and influence. Influence because the way we worship in our everyday lives will have effect on the people around us. The way we live our lives as a life of worship will affect the people that God puts in our path. God meticulously designed the first temple for a purpose. He planned every detail of it for significance. 
and he planned every detail of you for significance. He meticulously designed you for a purpose. Let's look at 1 Peter. You are coming to Christ who is living, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. So Jesus is this cornerstone of the temple that we are all a part of. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the meditation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. So we're not only temples of private worship, we're not just a great temple of worship together as a body, but we're also the priests of that temple, welcoming others into the presence of God by the way we live our lives. In Christ's purpose, I'm a leader and an influencer. I'm a leader and an influencer. We are called to be leaders and influencers, yes, within the church, but more importantly, we're called to be leaders and influencers outside the church, in our community, as we walk in God's purpose instead of our own. And those terms, of course, they're, they're, they're modern concepts that are overused. The word leadership is used in every business seminar. And the word influencer, it almost seems cliche now, right? It's used to describe teenagers with a million Instagram followers that review makeup. And then in their bio, it says Instagram influencer. But the meaning of those words have a much greater purpose in the mission of the church. This is how Scripture puts it, Revelation 1.6. All glory to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. He has made us a kingdom of kings and priests for God his Father. Some translations, the NLT actually says a kingdom of priests. Others, like the KJV says, says kings and priests. That's because the word that's used there means to be crowned or to be given authority in a kingdom. To be crowned or to be given authority in a kingdom. So in your notes, next to, because God's words matter, next to I am a leader and influencer, put in parentheses, I am a king or queen and a priest. A king and priest. You are given authority in the kingdom and you are a minister of his hope. Because as a child of the king of kings, your purpose is to lead others who are lost. And as a priest or a minister, if you prefer that term, as a minister, your purpose is to encourage and influence and care for the lives that God brings into your circle. There's no one that is in your life that is there by accident. So then how do I lead and have influence in a way that has lasting significance instead of making me feel important? How do I act with Christ's authority without developing a heart of poisoned pride? You can only do it by reflecting on what you've been saved from. 
You can only do it by meditating and reflecting on what God has pulled you out of, how he has rescued you, and reflecting on your identity in Christ. Because when our identity is in Christ, we have the same passion that Christ has, which is reaching the broken and the lost and the hurting. If you want some practical tips that we don't have time to go into all of them, I encourage you to check out the Brookwood Ministries podcast. Uh, Doug, Gene, and myself, the other care pastors and myself, recently posted a five-part podcast series on how to be an influencer for Christ rather than being an influencer for ourselves. You have more influence in the lives of others than you think you do. You have more influence in the lives of others than you think you do. Prepare yourself to be used by God for great things. Expect God to do great things for you. My friend Jody, last week, he said this to me. He said, I don't serve a God who can. I serve a God who will. Believe that he is going to do great things through your life. Stop believing that you have nothing to offer when you are empowered by the Holy Spirit and you are a temple of the Most High God. You have everything to offer through Him. Last week, we talked about being chosen by God for adoption. But in that adoption, we not only take on the Father's identity, but we take on His mission. We take on His mission to heal and to care and to bring into the kingdom of God. We reach out to the hurting as royal priests of his kingdom, as representatives of his grace. We return to 1 Peter. For you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful life. And once you had no identity as a people, now you're God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Once you had no identity, but now your identity is in Jesus Christ. Once you had no mercy, you were drowning in your past, in the shame, in the guilt, but now you're made new. The entire focus of this series has been that you are not your past. You're not your mistakes or your trauma or your failure. Those things are not who you are. But they can be your ministry. They should be your ministry. The very thing, the very thing you think disqualifies you from being a leader or an influencer for the kingdom of God and for the mission of Christ is the very thing that God is going to use. When our identity is rooted in who Christ says we are, we are no longer held down by our past. And in fact, we will stop hiding our past and we will start freely sharing it with anyone who will listen. Anyone who is hurting, let me tell you my story. Let me tell you where I came from. Let me tell you about my brokenness. Once we stop living in the shame of our past, God will use those struggles to build up someone who doesn't have hope. 
because we will realize that our testimonies are not a list of our failures. They're a list of things Christ can overcome. In week one of the series, we read this verse. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. We're made new. And that's where we stopped reading, but the passage continues. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead to the lost, come back to God. You are not who you used to be. But God will put someone in your path who is exactly where you once were. And he'll allow you to lead them out of the darkness. You want to believe that you're significant? You want to know if you're significant? Think about, for a moment, how precious a soul is to God. This masterpiece that he has created, this life that he has created, that he loves, how precious is that to him? And now realize that God takes the brokenness of someone that he loves and he brings them to you. And he says, you are my child and I'm entrusting this one with you. I'm putting this person that I love that is hurting, I'm putting them in your care. What does that say about how God sees you? You are significant in God's plan. You are significant in his purpose. But the thing that makes you most significant, the thing that makes you the most significant is this. I'm treasured. I am treasured. The thing that gives you the most value in this world is that you are treasured by God. That's the root of everything. Everything in this series hinges on that one truth, that you are treasured by God. You're significant because you're treasured. You're loved because you're treasured. You're rescued because you're treasured. You're the home of Christ because you're treasured. You're given authority and influence because you're treasured. Look at what we just read a few moments ago. For you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation. God's very own possession. You're not only chosen, you're not only royal priests of a holy nation, you're God's very own possession. 
But that word, that word in Greek doesn't mean what we probably think of when we think of possession. It doesn't mean something that you put up on a shelf and keep as part of a collection. That's not what it means. It means something held dear. Something that was obtained by saving it. It means that you were rescued and you're adored and you're treasured. You are treasured by God, brought into his family through his act of complete salvation. And he's been planning your purpose and your mission in his plan from the very beginning. He's been putting plans in place for you since the beginning of time. I love this. Listen to this prayer by David. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body. And you knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. And God knit you together in your mother's womb, knowing from the very beginning that he would choose you, that he would love you, and that he would rescue you for a purpose greater than yourself. And you know what I love about this verse? I love when David says, I know that you made me, and your workmanship is marvelous. It sounds arrogant at first, doesn't it? Look how marvelous of a job you did on me. But that's not what he's saying. The passage continues and says this. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts for me? Oh God, they cannot be numbered. As he prays, David experiences the truth that God has had a plan for his life from the very beginning and that God sees him as precious. David doesn't see his own creation as marvelous because he thinks he's important, but because he suddenly sees that his life is significant. Not because of anything he's done, but because he sees, maybe for the first time, he sees himself through God's eyes instead of through the world's eyes. And what would happen if you could look at yourself and say, look what God has done. I am marvelous. We can have that same humble confidence. We can have the authority and the strength to fulfill the plan that God has for our lives when we see our purpose and our value through God's eyes instead of through our own eyes. Can you see how treasured you are? God is for you. God is not against you. Christ's rescue says that I am forgiven. And I am made new. 
and I am redeemed and valuable. His love for me says that I am complete. I'm known and accepted and chosen, and his plan says that I am significant. You can do great things, the things that God has called you to do. This church can do greater things for the kingdom than we can imagine, and I see it. I see Brookwood having such an impact on our community that the whole community has changed. We can be that army of compassion with authority and influence. We can be that army of hope led by worshipers into a broken world. We can be the light in our community. We can be a people of strength and purpose. We can see miracles and bring hope and draw people to the rescuing promise of Jesus Christ, but we have to wrap ourselves up in who he says that we are. The darkness of this world will tell you that your life has no meaning. The darkness says, I have no place of value. But when I feel too weak to make a difference, God says, I'll give you my strength. When I feel unwanted, God says, no. You're loved by me. And when I feel like I don't belong, God says, you belong to me. Are we ready as a church? I'm asking you. I'm asking you. Are we ready as a church to lay down what the world says about us and who we are so that we can walk into his purpose for ourselves and for this church? Are we ready to declare that we believe what he says about us? Then let's declare that we believe it. I'm going to ask that during this final song, you make this a time of prayer. Don't watch the worship. Be the worship. All of us together are the worship. We are the worshipers. We are the army of hope. Ask God to show you during this time who he says you are and declare that you believe him. Let's pray in song. The only thing that matters now is what you say of me. If we leave this building with that in our hearts, we will make a difference. And God will make a difference through us. And if you're still struggling with who God says that you are, we're going to have care volunteers and pastors down front in the care connection room. If you're in our online campus, you can click the request prayer button and we'll have people to pray with you and encourage you. Let's go be who God called us to be. Let's go be the church. Father God, I pray a blessing over Brookwood. I pray a blessing over each person here, each person online in our overflow room, everybody who's watching later. Lord, I pray that you would give us a supernatural ability to see ourselves through your eyes, that you would allow us to grab hold of the greater purpose that you have for our lives and for our church, that you would allow us to see others through your eyes instead of through our own, as you teach us to see ourselves through your eyes instead of through our own. Give us your consuming compassion. Break our hearts for what breaks yours. 
Help us move away from this desire to be important and let us see how to be significant. Lord, you are a God who is worthy of praise. I am who you say I am. I am who you say I am. And we give you praise for that. And we ask for your guidance with the authority of the one who lives in us. And we all say together in one voice, amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. Our memory verse is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things he planned for us long ago. At Brookwood Church, we want to help you pursue a relationship with Jesus so that you can experience a transformed life. One way you can do this is by getting connected at Brookwood. Please email us at connections at brookwoodchurch.org or call 864-688-8326 to speak to someone on our Connections team. If you haven't done so already, subscribe to our podcast. And thanks for listening. Have a great week.